0: Dude, that maybe that's what I need to be a genius. I just need to develop my alcohol addiction again. Like just let it flare right up, but just drink out of beakers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I'm not I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a scientist. You don't yeah, know.
0: Exactly. Yeah. This is uh can't you see the, the vessel in which my that's alcohol a, is kept? This doc, is science.
1: <laughs> Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Bill. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's riffing. That's that to me is riffing. I had not thought of that reference yes. and then it occurred to me. That's fun stuff. Keep
2: distance, your best. Welcome to the Mr. Bill Podcast. I'm Anand Harsh, editor-in-chief of the Uns.com, Bill's manager and COVID survivor, I think. Uh, TVD actually, sorry, this episode is late. That's on me for finally getting the bug after two years. I'm never leaving my house again. Today's guest is Mux Mool. You know how sometimes you'll be at a party and across the room you'll see two of your exes talking to each other and you're like, I wonder if they're talking about me. Turns out my paranoia was well-founded. Mux Mool first rose to prominence during the early Adult Swim era thanks to his bump music, which he spun into an entire career via Ghostly International, as well as some other labels releasing albums such as Skull Taste and Planet High School. He was making lo-fi hip-hop to study and relax too long before it was cool. And he's very cool. Also used to do a drunken live stream show with me on the internet before we got sober and before we could get canceled for our bad takes on everything. Also a former housemate like Bill, so of course they're going to talk about how good of a chef I am. Anyway, Brian is one of my favorite people on the planet. Planet High School, still the best album name ever. No contest. No contest. Speaking of lo-fi hip-hop, today's episode is brought to you by Artiphone. They made a handheld mini-looping MIDI controller and sequencer that's about the size of like half an orange. Their bestseller Orba responds to natural gestures like tapping and tilting, and its touch-sensitive pads capture even the most subtle micro-movements. You can idea-dump your next beat on the go. It's got a built-in speaker and an eighth-inch headphone jack if you don't want to broadcast your juvenile creations use it with any DAW like Logic or Ableton, and take full advantage of its incredible MPE capabilities. The best part is it's under a hundred bucks. So Bill said I had to make a beat with it for the opening, and frankly, it's been a ton of fun as I've been laying in bed with the Rona. Here's uh, something I made in four minutes, and uh, I can play on top of it too. This is an audio medium, but you should go check it out at Instagram.com slash Artiphon. That's A-R-T-I-P-H-O-N. You can plug in the Orba to a tablet or computer to change the sounds, export videos, do all sorts of things. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. We've been playing around with it a lot here at the house. Use code Mr. Bill's Tunes for 10% off your Orba. If even a dummy like me can use it, you're going to be great everything is on the website tutorial sample packs tour dates and this podcast go to live.mrbillstunes.com for absolutely everything mr bill and thank you to everyone who has supported the debut kill bill ep it's kind of going nuts right now and we're super super excited about the response and reaction to it the tour is off to a crazy good start three shows at or near capacity in Indianapolis, Portland, and Seattle. Um, They're going to be in Manchester, New Hampshire on Friday, April 29th, and San Diego on May 5th, and Washington, D.C. on June 1st. Bill's doing solo sets at Disco Pussy in Vegas on May 3rd, and Soundwell in Salt Lake City on May 7th. Both of those shows are with Ben and Canty of Zebler and Canty Experience. Then Sunday, May 8th, he's headlining Soul Fest in Florida. Bigfoot Electro is on Memorial Day weekend in Tennessee. And Tribal Connection is in Ohio on June 3rd. More Kill Bill and solo Mr. Bill dates are coming soon. Tickets at Linktree slash Mr. Bill's Tunes. Okay, that was a lot of stuff. Enjoy Bill's chat with my good friend, Brian Lindgren, a.k.a. Muxmool.
1: Yeah, there we go. All right, cool. Should be good.
0: What up, Bill? (laughs) Not too much, man. Yeah, thanks for being flexible. I uh, have had, like, really shitty sleep lately. Um, I think I've just been, like, stressed in weird ways and shit. So, like, I will stay up for, like, two or three days and then sleep for, like, multiple days. And, yeah, my shit is all over the place right now. It's weird. It's weird.
1: But hey, you know this is the time for weird stress. I mean, it's just been the age of weird stress, has it not?
0: It has. Have you heard of the new BA two coronavirus variant? No, I haven't. That's great. I'm glad yeah. I'm hearing. It.
1: I'm glad I'm hearing it from you.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, you know, at least I'll tell it to you with a smile on my face, not like CNN. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they'll They'll grimace at you while they tell you this information. But uh, yeah, basically, it's uh, more more uh, catchy than Omicron. Uh, or Omicron, however you want to say that, and it is uh, also worse for you. Oh, <laughs> than fantastic!
1: Yeah. You know, I I got vaccinated. I stayed safe for a long time, and then I had a show back in November, and the the mandates here were lifted, and it was so awesome to be in like a packed crowd again. And I had to pass through that crowd to grab like my merch and then leave. And I got so sick after that. And I never got tested for Corona, but I, I mean, it seems pretty clear that I got it and it was rough.
0: Damn. What were your uh, symptoms?
1: So, uh, I mean, very flu, like, of course I had a crazy fever, um, and then just like full body aches. And then eventually it turned into a cough and it was a really terrible cough. Like it was, you know, the kind of <laughs> pathetic wheezing that I haven't done since I was like a kid. And, you know, I went to public school, <laughs> you know, like that kind of sick. But uh, it was it wasn't until I was like, I went to the fridge and I grabbed something and I, I like had yogurt and I tasted it. I was like, well, maybe I can't taste it because it's yogurt. It doesn't have that much flavor, right? So I started eating other things. I was like, nope, it's gone. No, uh, <laughs> it was terrible, but, <clears throat> but totally I lived.
0: Nice. That's crazy. And like, how pungent of a thing did you eat and couldn't taste?
1: So the thing that I ate to test it is if have you ever had garlic it's uh, like garlic cloves that they just leave in honey and it's so- no,
0: but i've I've had like garlic cloves that just come in the bag already peeled.
1: Yeah, so if you take garlic and you put it into honey uh, and just soak it for like a month, uh, it sort of makes the the honey a little more liquidy and the, it like you know they just sort of fuse together and it creates this very crazy third flavor <laughs> but it's supposed to be good for uh, illnesses and stuff so I was like I'll give this a shot and I couldn't even taste that so
0: damn that seems like it would be quite potent of a taste
1: yeah it's still it's still raw garlic so I should have been able to taste it
0: so what's going on there honey has sugar garlic has definitely not yeast um yeah well I wonder what's going on there because if the honey's getting more liquidy that means seems that seems to me like some sort of fermentation
1: yeah I guess hmm I don't know because we got it at a like a farmer's market this guy was talking it up and saying how great it was and we also got some pickles from him which were really good and so I just you know it's like why not you know support a farmer and then I ate it it was I mean it's it's a pretty, it, it tastes like garlic. It tastes like honey, but it tastes like something else also that I'd never tasted before. So if you ever see him, yeah. give it a shot.
0: <laughs> yeah, and uh, I, I will if I ever see him.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. If you you ever at the Denver Farmer's Market, yeah.
0: <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so I, the other day, um, this was when I was living in San Francisco still, so I was in like December. I was uh, laying, or I was I'd just be the same deal as now. I was stressed and I'd been up for a few days and it's not, you know, treating my health the best. And then one day, like my arm started going numb, my left arm. Oh no. And I started started getting like a jaw pain uh, and I, I was short on breath and my heart, like, well, sorry, my chest was like extremely tight. Um, and I was like, oh my God, I'm like having a heart attack for sure. Oh no. And- and I was like, fuck, I don't wanna have a heart attack. That's like bad. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, was, I literally just like was laying like completely flat and like sprawled out on my uh, floor and just like trying to breathe really slowly, um, trying to calm myself down. Cause I was like, maybe this is anxiety. Yeah. Uh, and after a while, I was like, all right, it doesn't seem like it's anxiety. It seems like it's actual like heart problems. So I was like, well, maybe I'll just sleep it off. So I <laughs> uh, got in bed and fell asleep. This was like 4 p.m. or something like that. And then I got up at 9 a.m. the next day and I was supposed to go mountain biking with a friend at Mount Sutro. Man, you so sound like, fun. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was, I was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna you know go try and do it to see if my heart can handle that um and sort of somewhat luckily my friend didn't rock up he like slept in and uh so I was like I'll just do the ride by myself I literally made it like not even 10 minutes and I was like fucked had no energy at all couldn't breathe properly and shit so I was like fuck this I'm just gonna ride home so I just rode home um this was uh, like 11 a.m the next day and I was like oh man I should probably just like if it's still like this by the afternoon, like 4 p.m. or something. I'll, Maybe I'll go like see go somebody. The, yeah, I'll like yeah. go to the emergency room, right? So I got to the 4 p.m., my heart, my, like my chest was still really tight. Arms were numb, jaw was like all painful, tight, like short on breath, all of that shit. So I went to the ER. <clears throat> I was like, I think I'm having a heart attack. And they're like, all right. So they gave me an EKG. they're like, your heart's fine. It looks totally fine. Uh, or like the the EKG thing looks fine. They're like, let us give you a lung x-ray, you know, because like maybe it's pneumonia, maybe it's like, maybe your heart is like uh, inflamed uh, and that could be causing some issues. They're like, no, uh, after giving me a lung x-ray, they're like, uh, your heart looks like the correct size, like it's not inflamed or anything and you don't have like any, it's no weird shit in your lungs or anything. Then they're like, let us check your, uh, like your, blood so they took a bunch of blood like fuck 10 vials or something and um uh tested all of that and then they came back and were like that looks fine too and then they gave me a covid test and they're like oh you have covid (laughs) and they're like so and they
1: think all of that came from covid
0: yeah they think it was covid and just anxiety on top of that jeez that's intense yeah, so I like, literally like my, my symptoms were just, yeah, chest tightness, arm numb, like literally heart attack symptoms. And um, I just read an article online that was written by, uh, let me actually check because I don't want to be one of those podcasts. Yeah, no,
1: now it's not the time. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'll just like, you know, say that I'm not a doctor straight up. <laughs> um,
1: you're not a doctor, you're a mister.
0: Yeah, I'm a mister. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm an MR, not a DR. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. All right. So this is not me saying this. This is the website arstechnica.com from a person named Beth Mole. So if you have any issues with any of this, take it up with Beth. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So anyway. (laughs) Beth um, Mole,
1: no relation to Mux Mole. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. That's not, I got nothing to do with that.
0: Take It up with Mux's mum,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so anyway, it says, uh, COVID causes substantial long term cardiovascular risks, huge study finds. Okay. That's the headline, and then the, there's a bunch more writing under that that I am not going to read on the podcast, but right, uh, if people want to read it. <clears throat> if you want to read it, even I'll uh, yeah, post it in yeah, it's chat the lake, and- yeah, send a link, yeah. But yeah, anyway, so apparently it is actually bad for your heart. So so it's quite possible that it, that it did heart damage. Who knows? But anyway, there's a worse one coming. Um, yeah, looking forward <laughs> to it. And it's easier to get the no micron. Oh,
1: gosh. Well, you know, it, after – I was always very safe about it. And I had had a job for a, uh, the first, like, maybe eight months working at a grocery store. And you know, was always very safe, and it made sense to stay safe and stay masked up. And I didn't complain. And uh, Wait, that seems
0: unsafe.
1: Uh, well, I mean, I had to keep the job; like, I couldn't quit the job. Yeah. But like, I just yeah. you know, while I was there, I didn't you know, I didn't, uh, uh, I didn't mess around with it. Um, and I was glad that I got sick after being vaccinated because I've read some of the um, for people who lost their sense of smell and taste, some people it never came back. Oh, that's and, fucked. Yeah. And some people, uh, when their sense of taste and smell came back, um, everything, you know, tastes like rotten eggs. Right. Things like that, like stuff that I wouldn't have wanted to deal with. So I'm really glad. But uh, after after I caught it, even though the max mask mandates are, you know, light again now here in Denver, uh, I still I'm still masking up. I'm not interested in going through that again in any way. I'm still totally. keeping distance. I'm still, you know... Uh, uh, trying to make sure that my immunity is as good as possible in, in other ways. So,
0: yeah, totally. Yeah, same here. I mean, me, Anand and I don't leave the house without N95s. Yeah. Um, Because, I mean, why why risk it? It's like, yeah. You, why risk reinfection? Why risk if you have it, like potentially giving it to someone else? It's like, yeah, just fucking put a mask on. Yeah. But anyway, it's not that uncomfortable. It's like at the start of the pandemic, I was like, oh, this kind of sucks. I can feel yeah. like my breath on my cheeks and nose and shit. And yeah, it's my not, glasses it's, are.
1: It's not great. I wouldn't choose it for fashion. It's just, (laughs) it just isn't that uncomfortable, uh, you know, that I wouldn't want to do it. So. It's
0: fine. Uh, So one thing I have thought about, um, I'm also glad I didn't lose my taste, but if I did, I have a feeling that it would actually improve my diet because then I would just be like, it doesn't matter what I eat. It all tastes the same. Maybe it's texturally different, but like I might as well just eat like fucking straight, protein and straight calcium and shit like yeah it right you anymore.
1: might be able to well you know but i think it also might take away you know because i do a lot more uh cooking these days than i used to and mm. tasting being able to you would not be able to uh, uh ascertain chemically like what you're eating uh, you which, would be
0: a fucking horrible cook
1: yeah you'd be a terrible cook and you wouldn't and like if the, you if the chicken was may- spoiled you wouldn't you might not even know
0: Right, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, if you didn't have your smell or taste. <laughs> right. Yeah, you could be cooking shit that just tastes like straight, like carcinogenic shit. And, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you give could be eating fiberglass. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. Right. Um, yeah, I think what I would probably do in that case is I would just eat like cans of chickpeas and, you know, uh, lots of edamame beans and shit and like stuff like that. Yeah. that stuff that like... I don't mind the taste of now, but I wouldn't even bother cooking them at that point. I would just eat fucking raw, raw everything.
1: Well, this, you know, one of the other strange things was like, because uh, I have never lost my sense of taste or smell before. And what was funny is that I, st- you know, of course I still ate, but when I was eating, there was this expectation of flavor. Like I know what the thing I'm eating tastes like, but it's not actually coming to me. But I'm like, imagining, like, am I tasting it or not? And ever since then, also, Whenever I taste something or often when I taste stuff, I, I like question it. I'm like, is this what tasting is? Is this what I'm doing? Like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's just, I've never had to go through that before, but it's been funny. And, uh, yeah, but I can taste again and I could, you know,
0: smell. This is almost like phantom limb syndrome, right? Like when somebody. That's, yeah. uh,
1: that's kind of what, it, that's kind of what it felt like, because it was like, you know, All the other cues of like eating ice cream and like vanilla ice cream, like you you can imagine what that is right now, how it, that, you know, all of those things. And the only thing that's gone is just the vanilla like flavor, but you still know it's vanilla. So it's yeah. Phantom limb, man. Phantom tongue, phantom nose.
0: Huh. So what were you eating when, when you couldn't taste anything?
1: Um, so my appetite didn't change. Like I was still, well, I mean, when I was very, very sick, I, I couldn't eat at all um and so i was like uh i i had a i had a bag of candy from uh my girlfriend's uh stepmom that she sent home over thanksgiving and i just remember eating that but like yeah um i'm trying to think like what some of the wilder things like eating a cheeseburger like you know during that that was that was pretty strange mm. you know normally yeah some,
0: like why would why would you even bother if you can't taste um because you know the craving is still there, like what what your body wants. You know you still know. Uh, this would be like if you were a heroin addict and you started taking like a something that blocks the effects of the opiates, but you ah, would still be like, oh, still, I want to mm-hmm. do. Heroin. Yeah,
1: I suppose. Yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> Although I guess food is. Well, actually, I'm not sure about this statement I was about to make. I was about to say food's less addictive than heroin, but I don't think that about sugar. Maybe.
1: Yeah, that's true. And actually, one of the things, you know, uh, uh, about addiction and when I, you know, because I've, I've done my own um, journeys with addiction. And one of the things that I learned about was for people who are addicted to food, um, one of the hardest things is you cannot abstain from food forever. You can't quit food. You're going to have to keep eating and you're going to have to find a healthy balance, which is not something that they could recommend for anybody addicted to drugs they can't be like oh you know you're gonna have to work it out and you know uh uh, fix your relationship with heroin so that you can do it normally like you just it's (laughs) like you quit but you can't do that with food and I always thought that was uh (laughs) that seemed very challenging you know
0: Mm. absolutely yeah I mean I've always um I've battled with addiction for a long time uh it's actually why I ended up in Charlottesville kind of but uh yeah, totally understand. like I, i'm I'm an addict like at the core, so I'm addicted to kind of everything. Mm-hmm. but um, food food is one of them, and that's why I was like overweight for a long time uh, and still am actually, I would say. but yeah, it's a <clears throat> extremely hard thing to to balance food, you're right because it's yeah. something you can't stop.
2: Yes yeah, and so, you, yeah
0: yeah, so you, yeah, you're right. You have to just like build better habits with it and like build a better relationship with it and all that kind of stuff. It's yeah, really tough.
1: And, you know, they also, you know, uh, I, I uh, someone in my family has a gambling addiction, which was always fascinating to me because I I find gambling to be pretty boring. I'll go to a casino. I'll, I'll uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'll drink the free soda. I love all the lights and everything or whatever. Um, but just, you know, there's behavioral ones, too, where I'm like, how can you get addicted to that? But, you know, it's, it's just it's uh, something uh, that it gives your brain dopamine. You know, food will do that, uh, um, you know. There's there's all kinds of dangers out there, and you really do have to, you know,
0: try and balance it. Right. Um, how comfortable are you talking about your addiction and what oh, you're addicted to? Absolutely comfortable. Ask ask away. <clears throat> oh well, what substance were you addicted to?
1: So, um, uh, in my in my younger years, I had uh, uh, I was addicted to, or you know, had a troubling relationship with alcohol. Um, a lot of you know blow ups and things like that, but actually. When I got sober in uh, 2007, um, that's when actually my career really took off, was after that. Um, because Funny I Funny start- how that works. <laughs> yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, well, I finally started taking myself seriously and just saying, like, I can do this and I want to. And, you know, I, I wasn't routinely having, like, breakdowns and stuff like that and confuse- confusion and stuff. And, um, you know, I did some AA stuff that taught me communication skills and interpersonal skills that I never really had, such as, you know, like why to tell people the truth and tell them right away and things like that, where it was really started improving my life, you know, to be able to say to people, I don't want to hang out with you or um, I can't, I can't do that. And, you know, some boundaries. So that was all very helpful. Um, And then later on it became uh, Adderall because of course uh, I, you know, I still suffer from ADHD, uh, issues and Adderall, uh, solves some of them, but it causes a lot more of other problems. And so that, that became a thing for quite a while, especially while touring, like, you know, I would say, I mean, uh, uh, I mean, it's great for touring. If, if you don't have long in a hotel and you know, you gotta be at the airport early in the morning, just stay up. You know?
0: Um <laughs> like who needs sleep.
1: Yeah, right. It's not and-
0: it's not like uh staying awake is just doing low level brain damage to you constantly or anything <laughs> yes. like that. Yeah. Just push right. through.
1: <laughs> right, yeah. Uh but also your brain is firing, so you don't you don't feel the fatigue or whatever. But um you know, and that was that has been, you know, I mean, I'm 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 sober now, I've been sober for a while now, but it was it was, you know, throughout uh, a few years where it just you know you have symptoms you have frustrations you're like why can't i you know do this or like you know getting frustrated when you, when i turn on a video game and i don't i play for maybe six minutes and then i quit or right. open up a session, you know do it for a little bit and quit and it's not about sitting down and doing everything all at once it's just about uh trying to uh, uh remain consistent For you
0: know like just try again Cons- just like consistently start things and quit
1: uh, you know, yeah. And, and don't be afraid to go back to it. You know, it, 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 um, try and be, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, uh, but you don't, Persistent. you want uh, yeah, to, you want to try and structure yourself, you know, to do that. And also one of the other great things is exercise. Oh man, exercise will help you. <laughs> yep. if, 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 you if you're not depressed and you get up and you go like exercise, take a walk, you know, those things are really helpful too.
0: Yeah, it's totally true. It's funny, man, because like this shit that I know makes me feel bad reliably. I mean, like every time I do it, it'll make me feel bad, like eating fucking chocolate or something or eating like too much ice cream. Like I know 100% with uh, like without a doubt after it, I'm going to feel worse than I did before it. Yeah. Uh, And I know also with almost 100% reliability that every time I do exercise, I'm going to feel better after it. Yep. But- For some reason, there's this like fucking dumb ass dissonance in my mind. That's like I don't want to do this thing that I know reliably makes me feel better all the time, and I totally want to do this thing that I know reliably makes me feel bad all the time. Right.
1: Yeah, that that can be a struggle too. And what's funny is I uh, I also ride a bike, and I I love the the feeling. uh, You know, kind of it feels a little bit like flying, and I have a nice bike, and so I resist exercising with it sometimes and then every time i get out there and i start biking i'm like this is this is fun and this is as easy as exercise could ever get
0: right you know i'm Do just you mountain bike or
1: no it's it's a it's a street bike single speed so a fixie as no a no, no not fixed gear just single speed it's still hmm. coasts oh, and stuff
0: gotcha yeah okay um does your cat not have a tail
1: yeah mo uh mo <sighs> is uh he is a um Flame point Siamese Manx. So he has no tail naturally.
0: What? Yeah. Hold on. I got to Google this cat. Flame point Siamese Minx. Manx, M A N X. M A N X. All right. Let's see. He's behind me right now. I'll see if he can come in here. Yeah. He, I just noticed when he was climbing up, I was like, that looks like a very round butt. Yeah. With no tail. He (laughs) was born with no tail. He's just like a little fucking scud rocket or something. Well, he
1: also he also has a little um. There's a there is a little nub there that I can't see because it's under hair. But when you pet him, sometimes it'll move a little bit. It's pretty cute.
0: <laughs> That's sick. Yeah, it's like that um that meme where it shows the cat like moving and then it like goes to Shaquille O'Neal or whatever doing the same thing.
1: Yes. Yeah. The. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's awesome. Um. Yeah, man. So. Uh, we said we we're gonna talk about living with Anand because he oh, also yeah, lived with yeah. Anand. And people on the podcast are pretty familiar with him at this point because he introduces every episode. Oh, does he? Um, okay. Yeah, so so people know Anand. We, we, we've we done a few episodes before. I think people like Anand. He's a pretty likable dude, I think. He's a
1: very likable guy.
0: Yep. Yeah, and uh, he's also a fucking crazy cook. I had no idea. Like yes, literally, yes. I, I've known the dude for like fucking a decade almost and like, And then I rock up here, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'm I'm a gourmet chef. It's like, what?
1: (laughs) Did he say he's a gourmet chef or just? (laughs) No, I said that. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. But he
0: is, dude. I mean, like, the stuff he was cooking for me, I was like, this looks like shit I would get in a restaurant, and it tastes like shit. I would, like, it's so good.
1: Yes, and uh, I had some meals with him, and, you know, uh, when I lived with him, gosh, what year? I don't know what year that was. I think it was maybe 2015. I was... I had had a good living situation with someone and then uh, uh, his girlfriend moved in. So I had to move out and I was, you know, the Denver housing market wasn't easy then. It's not easy now. Um, and so I just was bouncing around and then eventually found myself there for a while. And it was great. It was really nice to him to open up his house to me. You know,
0: I mm. uh, yeah, owe, owe
1: him forever for that.
0: <laughs> Anand told me that... Uh... He's like, "Oh yeah, you'll have a good conversation with Mux. He's like, "When me and Mux get together though, it's like almost uh like who can out joke each other."
1: <laughs> Dude, I love riffing. Yes. There were many late <laughs> nights of sitting there riffing. I love doing that. Even though, I, you know, I'm not I'm not like not always trying to be funny, but I love the riffing. Especially with
0: puns. Just like just like saying random crap basically.
1: <laughs> yes, I do that I do that with a few other artists like uh uh Elliot Lip too. I love riffing with him. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: Nice. Riffing. It's a good word for it. Yeah. I've actually heard that um, said to me before uh, when I was hanging around with um, my buddy Michael Zarman, and he was just like saying a bunch of random crap. And then I would just like start responding with also just like very random stuff. Yeah. And he was like, oh, yeah, man, this is sick. We're riffing. I was like, <laughs> never heard that before. But right. yeah. Well, like you know- riffing to me means like making shit on a guitar, right? Playing and- power okay. cards and shit.
1: So like, yeah, like a riff, a guitar riff in that sense, you know, it's just like this really it, it a riff in the guitar sense, I guess, is just what good conflict resolution with writing a melody or whatever, a question <laughs> and an answer or whatever. And I guess if you riff uh back and forth musically with people, you know, it becomes a conversation where you're like you're suggesting something and then someone else is resolving it. That it can be really fun. And if you can do that properly with comedy or puns or or you know, whatever, um that also becomes a fun other level conversation where you can, t- the person understands the kind of humor that you're going for. You know, uh, I, I do like communicating that way. I don't get to do it mm. that often. Um, actually, have you heard of the the uh, Endless app?
0: Oh, it's the one that Tim Exile made, right?
1: Yes. I, yeah. uh, uh, a friend of mine uh, suggested it to me and I downloaded it. I didn't do much with it, um, but then I started getting more into it. And that's all it is. You're just. You know, you can just cut. You just endlessly add parts, um, or take them out, or whatever, with other people, and the integration is pretty good. And it's I've found that to be a pretty fun exercise in in exactly that because you can't. You're not.
0: Sorry, finish.
1: Uh, because you know, you there is a chat part portion of it, um, but you just hear what someone throws on, and then you just kind of write to that, and then you know back and forth or however many people are in there, and it really is a fun exercise. So.
0: Is it just on iOS or is it on computer?
1: They have it. They have it on uh, computer now too. Uh, with uh, you can write parts in Ableton and just you know put the loops right in there. Right so on.
0: yeah, dude, that's so cool. Yeah, let's do that sometime. Because yeah, would love I've, to uh, have you. Yeah, man. I. Uh, downloaded it when it first came out um i got like some beta email from tim and he was like check this thing out beta people and i was like i didn't i don't know how you have my email even but <laughs> yeah i'm like a big fan of his stuff so i wasn't yeah. like mad or anything but yeah i, I downloaded it and i think because i got it in like the beta phase maybe it wasn't like completely ready or something and then i it was only until recently right where he released like the actual releasable version to the public or something
1: yeah it's it's it feels new
0: endless endless endless
1: FM. endless with three s's
0: right and then it's yeah. like a .fm address correct i don't yes i think so yes it is yeah 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 dude tim exile is crazy like he's for the longest time just been so forward thinking like he's one uh, of those yeah. richard divine kind of people yes
1: he like, is <laughs> you know it's funny because i you know, I had uh, uh, I'm a fan of his, too, and I got to play with him at Sonatech in Chicago like a million years ago. And he did the show with a joystick or a portion oh, wow. of it with a joystick. Where, <laughs> I don't know if it was just like X, Y controls or what he was, you know, but I was just like, you know, I'm like just starting to play the M audio trigger finger. And this motherfucker's coming with a joystick. And yeah, <laughs> it was it was really it was really cool. You know, one of those one of those performances that I don't often see in electronic music, where there's a bit of magic involved in me going, "How is that happening?"
0: You yeah, know, I mean, like, that's beyond me. Yeah, dude. It, I, so every now and then, like a fan will hit me up, right, and i will be like, "Dude, you're a genius," or whatever, and I'm like, "No, I'm really not." And like, I I actually. Um, I was like maybe I am by the definition of the term and I went and googled it and I'm not.
1: Like- <laughs> he called you a genius and you googled it. Man that's genius I was like, level. I'll-
0: I was like, yeah, what does it take for someone to be a genius, right? And um, here's, here's the definition. A genius is a person who displays exceptional intellectual ability, creative productivity, universality in genres or originality, typically to a degree that is associated with the achievement of new discoveries or advances in a domain of knowledge. So like Tim Exile is that, Richard Devine is that, like these people like who are designing the software that people like me use are right.
1: that. So, but so, I'm not
0: making any new discoveries, man. Like this dude's coming in with shit like that and he made like the mouth and the finger for reactor and like he's making like a crazy tools like this endless thing like that's a genius you know
1: you know and I really appreciate that kind of stuff because I I feel like what I you know uh uh, it's interesting that you're talking about you know not feeling like a genius but I could understand why people would think that because I've watched you know some of your uh, um you know production streams and it goes by so quickly and it's sort of that uh, how you work is proof of one concept that I've always felt. And that's like, you don't always get better. It's more so that you get faster. Like when the more and more you practice stuff, you arrive at certain points much quicker. And, you know, when you're copying and pasting and you can hear all your keyboards and stuff going, you know, I think that is really uh overwhelming or, or not overwhelming. That is really impressive to people. It's sort of like magic, you know, like they, right, right. you know, but to you, of course, you're just doing what you've been doing what you did slowly at one point really really quickly and you know uh, uh, using the tools within the thing that you have and I feel the same I don't feel like innovating in the world of computer technology I love Mm -hmm. Ableton I wanted to use it but I'm not trying to you know I'm not making my own effects here
0: right right yeah Yeah. exactly and I also don't necessarily think making your own effects these days even makes you a genius because like now Max for Live exists like I mean, I've made my own version of Contact in Max for Live, but it's not a new discovery. Like, Contact right, was a new right, discovery. Right. When, but yeah, uh, I think, like, to become a genius like that, you really need to almost put music down and, like, start looking into science. and.
1: Yeah. Well, and, you know, that's... Yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to be a genius. They seem troubled um, sometimes. And also, I... There's there's a level of science that I um, that I don't really feel like approaching because uh, you know especially when I'm writing music it, for me it's it I try and keep it to as as an emotional process as possible not just fun but you know stopping and saying is this a feeling is this how I feel is it reflected in this could someone who uh, uh, doesn't know how I feel hear this song and uh, you know feel what's in this and uh, that I mean that's just a matter of working hard to you know use the software to interpret how i'm feeling as opposed to uh yeah you know what i'm saying i'm not doing science i don't got beakers this isn't a lab you know there's plants
0: yeah <laughs> yeah i think uh you need at least a couple of beakers there's definitely probably at least one or two in the in the endless office <laughs> yeah i bet there is yeah maybe full of gin or something yeah Dude, that maybe that's what I need to be a genius. I just need to develop my alcohol addiction again. Like just let it flare right up but just drink out of beakers. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not I'm not an alcoholic. I'm a scientist. You don't yeah, know.
0: Exactly. Yeah. This is uh can't you see the the vessel in which my that's alcohol a, is kept? This doc, is science. <laughs>
1: Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Bill. That's good. <laughs> see, that's riffing. That's that to me is riffing. I had not thought of that reference yes. and then it occurred to me that's fun stuff, you know? Nice. Yeah.
0: I wanted to ask a bit about your, uh, music writing process because I think I've asked about it like once before and I, and I, I want to say you told me it was like machine related to some degree or like you play stuff on like a beat pad of some sort, like an MPC or something. And,
1: uh, yeah, I, I, um, I, I'm not very gear centric. Uh, I'm not very VST centric either. Um, I, did get Ableton 10 last year and I uh, got operator with that, which was really cool. I had never had operator for any uh you know live before. I'd always had live standard, but the operator comes with some really great sounds. Um Dude,
0: operator's the best sense. Yeah,
1: I, I had no I guess I really didn't know, but uh now that I have it, I I know. Um so my <laughs> my process is usually you know I have a whole library of loops. Or, you know, parts and things like that. Um, And I will sort of cycle through those until I stumble on something that, you know, feels right. You know, a a percussion loop or even just a hi-hat loop or something like that. And then throw that in and start that as like my metronome, more or less. Because I hate the metronome. Ableton. Uh, Yeah. I record drum sounds from, you know, machine uh, uh, packs. uh, And I record the audio from that. Uh, just so that to make sure that I can play the pattern, you know, I'm not programming any of my drums. Um, and I think there's, you know, unquantized and stuff. So I try and keep it, uh, I try and instill some natural feeling that way. Um,
0: so you literally like every drum track on every one of your tracks is like played in?
1: Not every single one, but um, uh, a large majority of them are, or they start that way and I'll adjust them, you know, as needed. Um, once I really get into like making it. Um, and of course with dance music or anything that I'm doing that's housey, uh, I will quantize you know, at least the the kick or something. Mm. Um, but I do like to I you know, with computer music, uh, uh, one of the things that it's, you know, always, uh, trying to defend itself about is that it's you know unfeeling music, it's computer music and all of this and so I I try and put a little bit of my own flavor in there by just letting the drums be off by a little bit you know even even imperceptible amounts uh, uh, mm. you know, I think that um, it, it, that can add a bit of an earwormy quality to things. The same way uh, 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 the Swedish songwriters have bad phrasing for things, and people they get stuck <laughs> in their head. You know, "hit me, baby, one more time." That's right, yeah, not a like, proper
0: English sentence. Or like toxic, you know. Yeah, like
1: right. Not so to say good. that. Not to say that I'm, I'm, you know, working on Britney Spears level style drums. You know, it's it's just. <laughs> um, but I'll record my drums that way, or you know, uh, um, yeah. It's, it's it's honestly, it's a lot of. Um, a lot of times it's searching. I try and find, you know, uh, 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 sounds and patches and stuff that, that seem to have, you know, vibe well with each other. And I kind of start with some packaged things and then I work outward from there. And that's my process now. <laughs> that wasn't always my process when or uh, early on, and sometimes this still happens, but early on, I, um, I loved digging for samples. I loved <coughs> finding records with weird things on them from weird sources. Um, it's
0: like a know. very Jay Dilla Mad Lib kind of thing. Absolutely.
1: To do, right? Well, you know, and there was there was a there was a an ethos sort of behind the whole concept of digging, and that is that you're if you're borrowing from someone else's vision and trying to call it your own, it needs to be like an original take. It needs to sort of give power to where you're drawing from. You know, sort of bring. Uh, someone else's music back to the light in the proper way, and it and and if you and not stealing—that's like the number one thing. You know, if you're ripping whole sections of songs and then putting in yours and not crediting the person and not saying it's your own, uh, that's weird. Um, so for a long time, I took samples from as many you know genuine sources as I could, and genuine meaning like things that I actually found that I discovered that I thought were cool, and I worked them into something, or uh, you know from sources things that mean you know something to me on a personal level um and then sort of taking the chunks of those samples and using it to write a song around it sort of like a rhythm guitar you know like just keeping the pace keeping the chords going but everything else uh just being informed by those samples um which is uh that's always been a fun process too Mm. And everything from sampling a record about how to solve the Rubik's Cube to, you know, (laughs) uh, I'm trying to think, Furbies and, like, sound movie soundtracks, things like that. Like, I I used to love digging.
0: Yeah, it's interesting uh, you say, like, the samples that you put in inform the decisions of everything else. I've always, like, thought that as well, but more from a sound design perspective because I'm, like, essentially I do the same thing as you, But for the most part, the packs I'm digging through are from sounds that I've made. uh, And I just have like large folders of those at this point. And uh, what I've noticed is how the sound design of the track will end up and how strong the track will end up being sonically very much depends on the kick and the snare that I import at the start of the session. Because if I import like a weak kick and snare, then all of the sound design around it has to meet that, right? So So it has to... It also ends up pretty weak, but if I import like a very hard hitting kick and hard hitting snare, all of my sound design has to match that now as well. So,
1: you know, and that's I, I've I've tried to build as strong a sample library of my own, you know, loops and stuff as I can. But what I found is that when I was uh, going back in time and listening to some of the the loops uh, that I have, they're not what I need need anymore. They're a little too janky. Or I had – it took me a long time because, I you know, I didn't go to school for this. I'm assuming – did you go to school for this? Yeah. Oh, okay. I did not. And so a lot <laughs> of uh, – you know, I'm just learning as I go. I didn't know anything about, like, gain stages and stuff. So I'm playing a record really quiet off the record player and then trying to turn it up later, getting all this feedback, you know, and hissing and, like, learning that I don't want to have to try and make that stronger later. Let's make it strong now. And, you know – Uh, uh, I don't always start with the strong kick and snare, but, um, you know, because you try and, like, layer up. Like, if I got, like, a quiet snare that has, like, a little bit of tone in it and then add more later, but...
0: Yeah, that's always doable, but I always feel like going that way about it, you're just sort of having to revisit the thing over and over again and make it... Because it's like you then produce a whole kind of shitty 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 track sonically, and then you're like... Re- at the end be like, all right, time to mix it and you reference it against like a really good track that's, that you know hits on a system or whatever and then you're like, all right, fuck, I have to like go, basically go back and like redo Start everything. Start, into- yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to also talk about your uh, you're saying you play things in and try to make them have like a human feel or whatever. I was talking to Tipper about this recently and he has a track where he just turned the grid off completely and he just imported everything by hand and just put everything in by hand, but the grid was off. So it was like a null and void thing. Like he was just putting it wherever it, it sounded good, right? Um, but I, I asked him about it. I was like, like how do, how do you feel about that? And he uh, had an interesting point, which he was, he was just like, it's completely moot, like whether the grid is on or not, because like you're just gonna put it where it sounds good anyway. So it really doesn't matter if it's a degree if you're working to a grid or not because you're just gonna do the same thing like either you're moving it off the grid or you're just moving it to where it sounds good with no grid
1: right um, yeah and I guess I guess uh, uh to that point like I, I get I get stuck in some of this grid uh, uh, um, discussion when whenever I have to track out a song, there's like the four you know, 16 bars, 32 bars, 64 bars. Like, there's formats that you can follow. And a lot of times, those don't really – they don't feel right to me. And so, you know, you're just going to have a part come when you, you when you listen to it and you go right here, and then you put it there. And But that, that also can be really time-consuming because then you're listening to the song over and over and over, you know.
0: One thing I like about Live 11 is you can turn the gridline intensity down to 0%. Oh,
1: really? I didn't know yeah. that
0: it might be in live ten as well actually um, but yeah anyway it's uh, it's just a nice feature cuz even if you turn the grid off there's still perforated lines uh, if right, you have the right. grid line yep. intensity up so you kind of yeah really want to get rid of those too i think if you're going to do this exercise at home
1: and for and for anybody listening that doesn't know the command for that is uh, command 4 so that's the uh, turn <laughs> the grid on and off yeah
0: nice Yeah. Yeah, I I just right (laughs) clicked dude. People like they're like, dude, you're so fast at Ableton, but like you constantly are right clicking to change between like sixteenths and eighths and stuff. For some reason I just don't use the command for that.
1: Yeah, and that's that's one of the funniest things about all this too, is like, you know, grid on, grid off, you know, played your drums, didn't play your drums, stole a sample, didn't steal a sample, this or that or whatever. Uh, by the time it gets to an audience's ears, if they like what they hear, that's all that matters. And there's a lot of, I mean, there's a there's no right or wrong answers. You can use these things. I mean, I'm sure you can use max MSP to do your taxes if you just, you know, <laughs> it, it's just because of how it, you know, these things do a lot of different things. And I always try and tell people to. um just do just find something that works for you because the learning curve is going to be steep no matter what and you're going to get frustrated and you're going to have to troubleshoot. Troubleshooting is such a huge issue like especially early on. Just yeah.
0: Yeah. I think the learning curve is not only steep but it's also uh like never ending.
1: Yeah, right. You could know everything and if you ever been in somebody's like really nice studio and they know how this works and they know how that works and this is integrated to that or whatever, then you hear their song and it's bullshit.
0: Yes. That's, yeah, yeah. That Just is, that is pretty old, often. Yeah. If you have a lot of technical knowledge, it doesn't necessarily mean you make good music. Right. And likewise, if you make good music, it doesn't mean that you can teach a class.
1: Right. <laughs> yes. Teaching is something Two very different skill sets. I'm, I have always wanted to uh, teach and share some of this, uh, some of what I know, but it's, it's it's difficult when I try and show people because, like I said, I'm all self-taught. So mm-hmm. I had the program, but a lot of the times it was like putting a sound in and then putting an effect on and turning the knob. And you know, I know I know sonically how it changes it, but of course, you know, uh, mathematically I don't know what's really changing. And there's a lot of things that I don't know what they're actually called. Like I know you can mm-hmm. hover over on it, hover on it, and it'll it'll tell you, but like you know, the thing that is the little button that has the triangle and the three lines or whatever. And it turns, you know, like turns off automation is, I don't know what that's called. Like, I don't <laughs> know what the name, I just know how it works. Right. So when, when it comes to, uh, um, teaching that can be tough because so much of what I've learned is just, it's just happened me and my headphones in my, in my own mind, you know, moving things around and never having to explain it with words, mm-hmm. why to do this, why not to do that. Um, Uh, so it's, it's, it's hard to teach. And plus I can only teach what it is that I do. You want to know how to make a Mux Mool song. I could show you how to do that. (laughs) You know, uh, if you want to make a Mr. Bill song, you may have to ask him.
0: Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think, um, in some weird way, uh, like every artist is just the gatekeeper to the shit that they do. And they're really the only person who can show you how they do what they do.
1: Oh yeah, very true, yeah.
0: There's a lot of like how to recreate this Deadmau5 song on YouTube and stuff, but it's, it's not like really how to do it. The, the way you learn how to make a Deadmau5 song is watching him on a Twitch stream. Uh, sure, and, yeah, and just... much more
1: insight that way.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about making hip hop beats because it's like a world that I'm not at all in. Uh. But I sort of have ventured into it a little bit. I, like, did do a mix on a tune that had TI on it. Okay. Um, which was, like, I think the closest I've gotten into the hip-hop world as a just a mix engineer on a, on a tune. Um, but I know that a lot of people make these, like, hip-hop beats and then they sell them, right? Yes. Uh, and they sell them on these websites called, like, madbeats.com or <laughs> whatever it's called.
1: I'm, 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 uh, uh, vaguely aware of those things i mean yeah i i I don't go to them but yes
0: okay so you've never really gotten into the making type beats and selling them for 30 bucks a pop on these (laughs) uh
1: no that is not a hustle i've considered but i've also been fortunate to work with uh uh, enough artists in 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 different way i've not had to uh sell beats for 30 bucks but
0: yeah i've always wondered like how are these people making money if they're selling them for 30 bucks a pop It's like surely that's not their main gig right or-
1: so I have I have one friend uh, who I will not name names but he um his hustle is essentially that and so in a in a in a any given day, he'll sit down in fruity loops and more or less make very subtle variations of the same it's like it'll be the same drum kit it'll be mm. almost the exact same pattern. Uh, you know, same key, but slightly different bass lines and arpeggios and stuff. And, you know, putting together something that is, I don't know, maybe five, six elements all together. Mm-hmm. Um, all within styles that are working, you know, popular production styles and stuff. So basically, not just not innovating, but just being just copy work upon copy work upon copy work. And then uh, he sells those loops and then he some of those loops get picked up by other bigger producers, and then they use them and give them credits and stuff. And I find that to be a very interesting hustle because uh, the workflow just seems so different.
0: Also, you seems know? kind of boring.
1: <laughs> it seems it. Yes, I'm not. I'm not sure to. Uh, it does seem really boring. I don't think I could get much enjoyment out of that. You know.
0: Yeah, I, me either, man. I, definitely a big part of the process for me is the sound design. Uh, yeah. Not so much. I mean, the beat making, yes. I always try to be like, can I like, you know, fuck with the pattern? Like, I'm always like, can it's a balancing act of like, how hard can I fuck with the pattern? Yeah. And how much will it still be understandable on the first listen to somebody on a dance floor?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. And the other thing about hip hop production is, you know, I grew up in uh, Minnesota, and Minneapolis has a vibrant, you know, uh, uh hip hop scene. You know, rhyme sayers is there, um, and my friends who were beat makers who you know that was uh i had made songs in computers before but i was using like an asr10 and then eventually reason 3.0 i wanted to make hip hop type beats cuz i found the i found it to be so interesting um and so I've, I've i've always strived to um to be able to make a good hip hop beat and it was not easy at first because i did not have some of these rhythms you know trying to trying to make something that actually has swagger um and feel uh but it ended up sounding kind of like i don't know like nursery rhymes i guess you know like you know try to add shuffle <laughs> but you don't know really how to do it um uh so i still i still i still love that whole world i'm actually working on a lot of hip-hop beats right now but it's more boom bath hip-hop beats not just modern 808 hip-hop stuff
0: right you know <clears throat> yeah i tried to make a few after i watched this netflix series about like f- people rapping where chance the rapper was like a judge or something okay i was i like it was some like dude i watched so many trash netflix series <laughs> what during else? the Wait. pandemic
1: <laughs> yeah what else what are you watching now what are you and anand
0: watching every night <laughs> oh nothing we don't we just work constantly oh boring yeah, yeah it, no well yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's all, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's very, yeah, it's kind of boring. I mean, he's just on calls all the time. and Ah, uh, yes. Just, okay,
1: I remember that too. He would be on mm-hmm. calls all day and he could not relax yeah. until his inbox reached zero.
0: His inbox never reaches zero anymore because uh, he has too many artists on his plate. It's right. just crazy. I mean, like I think about the amount of shit that my project requires to yeah. run, right? And it's just so much. Like at this point, it's like one person cannot do all the work, and he takes on a large portion of it. But then he does that for like fucking ten other artists. It's like how do yeah. you? And I understand why you're on calls all the time and just working. And like he he'll work for like sixteen, dude. Yeah, he puts in like sixteen hour days and then just like sleeps four hours. And like it's crazy.
1: Yeah, I've al- I've always admired uh, um, that you know. I don't love the industry that is around music all the time, but for people who really can pursue that type of work and do it with passion, uh, that's amazing because I could not be a promoter. I could not, you know, I could not just take calls, uh, like that and try and work out things. I, I basically, I wouldn't, I barely wouldn't like to deal with other artist egos, you know, um, not that I have, not that I'm an egomaniac myself, but like, Uh, you know, I know that when I talk to my manager, I want him to make me feel special when we're on the call and like, that's a small thing, but you know, just talk to me like, like, you know, just, just be excited to hear from me. And when I have an idea, go, wow, that sounds great. That's not that hard, but I, you know, I need it.
0: (laughs) Anand is your manager too, right? What's that? Is Anand your manager also?
1: Uh, no, he is not, but... Ah.
0: Yeah. But he could he be, does, I mean,
1: I don't know. He, yeah. uh, tell, tell him what's up, we'll see. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: yeah he, he definitely is that kind of uh, manager to some degree, I think, where he's just like, oh, cool, great idea and stuff. But in a way, I think um, there's a balance, right? Because like, you can't also just be a complete yes man as a manager, like you need right. to right. say no to a lot of shit. and. I think over the years, Anand has gotten better at saying no to shit. Because when we first started working together, he was just like, "Yeah, let's do everything." Because like, I think he wasn't used to having an artist like me who was getting so many offers of like, right, and, right. and and a lot of crazy offers too. Like, I think within a year of him managing me, the Nick Cage movie thing just like randomly came into my inbox and shit like that. Oh, that's um, dope.
1: What's the Nick Cage movie? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm behind on Bill news.
0: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's called Mom and Dad. Um, okay and yeah i just like scored it but
1: oh amazing uh, yeah
0: yeah it was it was fun but yeah just random shit like that and i think cuz like all these offers were coming in he was just like yeah let's do everything and <laughs> um and we we i was like no we don't want to do shit like that and yeah but over the, he's gotten good now about just knowing what's good to do and what's not
1: well sometimes when you go from like you know you have periods where maybe there aren't a ton of offers and then when they start coming in you you want to say yes to everything but yeah you got to know what's manageable and and also what's going to be worth it which is you know i gotta say for someone who's been self-managed you know off and on or for a lot of my early career uh it's hard to know what's what's worth it to work on and not and there's a lot more to it other than just wanting to do the work right. um you know and, and and also more than just money because there are things there are opportunities that will come up that it's, it's this constant pull of, uh, culture versus commerce, you know, and you have to have a good balance of those things, I think, to feel like a good person and also to keep yourself interested because if you do a hundred percent commerce and you're just finishing albums for two cycles and, and whatever, I think that's boring as hell, you know, uh, totally. that is, and that is not what I set out to do. I wanted to do interesting stuff also,
0: mm-hmm. you know? Right. Yeah, I agree with you. I think. Um, my priority list for why I do something goes how much I want to do it, how fulfilling I find it, how much money it's making me, and then goes down the list with like how much anxiety is it going to cause me, how much (laughs) time is it going to take, like all that kind of shit. But it's like first and foremost, like how fulfilling it is and how much I want to do it and then money. (laughs) Yeah, That's like kind of the top two priorities for me. And time actually is like another big one I think of because it's like, obviously if it's you know, a lot of money, but it's going to take me like the next 10 years of my life, I'm like, well, probably not.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've, uh, you know, speaking of offers that have come across the table and um, you're talking about uh, scoring, uh, uh, you know, doing a film score or whatever, uh, video game soundtracks. I have done one, the Nidhog 2 soundtrack, and that was probably my favorite. I, I had never done anything like that before, yeah, the Nidhog Two soundtrack. It's myself and uh, you're checking it out right now. It's 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 a really it's a really fun game. Um, and what was really fun about that? Because my a lot of my music is also informed by video games, which I've always loved. Video games, video games. You know that was the first electronic music I fell in love with, and I didn't even qualify it as that when I was you know very young. But that you know uh, it was always there. So when the opportunity came up to do some songs for a video game, and of course I knew all the themes, you know, desert theme, water theme, jungle theme, you know, like I, and I uh, started writing to some of those things. Oh man, that was so much fun. <clears throat> I really liked doing that.
0: Fuck yeah. Uh, it says the reviews for this game are very positive. There's 753 of them.
1: Yeah, it's a really fun game. Actually, Eprom recently had like a game tournament with uh, I don't know. I think it was with his friends, and they did Nidhog too. I thought that was pretty fun.
0: Damn, that's sick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indie games are cool, man. I have you watched that documentary? It's just called like Indie Game Developer or something. Yes, like that. I
1: don't yes. Actually, you know Phil Fish from that from that uh, the guy who's making Sydney. Fez.
0: Oh yeah, dude, Fez yeah. is sick.
1: So Phil Fish when i played the game developers conference in san francisco in like 2017 i got to play a show with phil fish and it was really cool mm-hmm. because like i you know i meet people that are you know famous or whatever famous musicians and stuff i'm not to say that i'm not excited to meet some some people um but outside <laughs> of that i don't get to meet people that i would like excited to meet or people who i consider celebrities but he was at this party that i played and i got a, i like asked him for a picture and all that it was pretty fun
0: is gdc oh no i think gdc is a That happens in LA, right?
1: Um, the one that I went to was in San Francisco.
0: Oh, was it in Oakland?
1: I don't remember. It was in a big, um, it was like, it was in an arena situation.
0: Huh? Like Bill Graham Uh, Civic Center or something?
1: I don't know. It was all carpeted. It was like a place that was made for, (laughs) uh, uh, you know, E3 and Mm. things like this or whatever. Um. But it was really cool seeing a lot of indie games there and just being in that world. It was at the time, I remember it was uh, strikingly difficult, difficult, strikingly different from the music world and the people that I was used to seeing just a different level of positivity. Um, You know, uh, it was sort of like they, you know, a different manner of dress, a different manner of interacting. It was really fun, you know,
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, having just lived in SF for like two years or so, I, I know what you're talking about. The people are definitely different. Yeah, they dress different. They talk like about different shit. It's definitely different than interacting with music scene people.
1: Yeah, and it was funny because like, you know, I, I I, don't know the first thing about coding or what goes into making a game. I'm just, you know, writing, but I got to, I got to have this badge that said composer on it. And I'm like, I'm so <laughs> proud of that. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: Uh, well Mux we do have to end for the day uh, but it was really sick to have you on the podcast yeah so thanks I know, for, uh, thanks we for we got to be cognizant up. of your time because you're going to a Blockhead show
1: yes I'm going to see Blockhead
0: he's yeah. also a hip hop guy right or so. yes
1: he is very much so he is, he is he's been a hip hop beat producer for a long time so
0: dude I fucking yeah I miss Denver in that way it's, it's so cool to just be able to go to a show every night of the week if you want to it's just nice to have that possibility. It's not even that I want to go to a show every night of the week. I fucking yeah, would go to a sh- <laughs> I would go to a show like maybe once a fortnight, maybe even once a month sometimes. But it was it's just nice to have that possibility to be like, oh yeah, I could see like any one of my favorite acts this month or next month or like yeah, just constant.
1: <clears throat> I did not go to a lot of shows just before the pandemic hit. Uh, you know, I'm I'm an introvert. I def- I tend to be a homebody also. Uh, and going to shows when I'm playing shows is a little different, but I was not personally all that motivated to go see shows a lot. But once that ability was taken away, uh, I realized that it was amazing that I did have that opportunity that I could go see these shows. And so as things open back up again, I'm like, I'm going to just make the effort. I'm going to put on an outfit. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go. I can leave (laughs) as soon as I get there if I want to, but you know, I'm going to go. So, and that's this, I'm going to go, I'm gonna go see a show. Nice. I'm going to hang out all night, drink water. It's going to be great.
0: <laughs> so are you completely sober now?
1: I'm completely sober now, yes.
0: And how long have you been sober?
1: Um, You know, like three months. <laughs> oh, pan- really? Yeah. The The pandemic was not easy. Um, gotcha. And then getting out of it was hard again, you know?
0: Nice. Yeah. Well, you got two months on me, so you're
1: doing it Oh, right. okay. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> We'll start up a separate thread. Talk about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right,
0: man. Well, yeah, thanks a lot for, for coming on, man. I appreciate it.
1: Yeah, of course. Anytime.
0: Yo, what's up? Thanks for listening to the Mr. Bill podcast. This show is produced and edited by Robert Fumo. You can get early access to the show by going to my website, Tunes.com and paying me instead of Patreon. And remember to go rate and review on iTunes, or I'm going to come to your house and punch your dog in the throat upper deck your toilet and fuck your partner note i may or may not do those last couple of things uh you should probably just go rate it on itunes or spotify or whatever it is that you listen to the podcast on because it really helps the podcast um but but just know that that it'll go a long fucking way to me not doing those things if you do go do that so uh, just just put that out there